to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Evia. Evia is the first ever app that utilizes the science-backed technique of using hypnotherapy to effectively manage your hot flashes and night sweats naturally. Hypnotherapy is supported by NAMS, the North American Menopause Society, is a proven mechanism to calm the body's stress response to bothersome hot flashes. Now with the Evia app, that's simply E-V-I-A in the app store, you will learn to soothe both day and night symptoms without the use of medications. You'll be able to track and evaluate your symptoms and so much more. They have a core five-week program that is Dr. Hirsch approved for at-home support. Start your seven-day free trial at eviamenopause.com slash Heather, which is E-V-I-A-M-E-N-O-P-A-U-S-E dot com slash Heather, or check the link in the description to get started. Well, how are you ladies? Over here in Massachusetts, we're bunkering down. It's pretty pretty cold. And we had a pretty big snowstorm the weekend of January 29th. And so we're going to be buried under a little bit of snow for a while. But I got this really great new coat. I haven't bought a new coat in a really long time. It's kind of like how you haven't bought bras in a really long time. And finally you do. And you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck was I waiting for? So anyways, I finally brought a brand new coat that actually keeps me warm. So that is super exciting. All right. So in today's show, I want to address the question of, should I take hormone therapy? There's a couple of different ways we could actually think about this question. Oftentimes I will get this on YouTube um, after I've done a video discussing either the safety of hormone therapy or benefits of hormone therapy. Someone will say, so does this mean I need to take hormone therapy? Does this mean I have to take hormone therapy? What will happen to me if I don't take hormone therapy? Those are all the questions that kind of come after this. And then the other questions that I got a lot of emails about are, what about supplements? What about vitamins? What about uh, for women who don't have symptoms? So I thought, even though um, this could be answered very quickly, that there's actually a longer winded answer behind this. So I'm turning it into an entire podcast. To do so, I really want to take you back in time. I want to take you back in time to when I was in medical school. And again, if you haven't listened to last week's episode with Dr. Blooming, a lot of this is in reference to that episode. So it was groundbreaking. It went totally viral. I had so many people message me about it, um, share it, send it to friends. So it was just, oh, chef's kiss. So I want to take you back to when I was in medical school. And when I was in medical school, I started medical school in 2006. I went to SUNY Upstate and I actually did undergrad at uh, Syracuse. And uh, not surprising, I double majored in um, biology and women's studies. So I, I definitely irritated lots of my friends and boyfriends about feminist theory when I was like 18. But it stuck with me. So when I was in medical school in, uh, at Syracuse in 2006, um, which was my intern year, it's not intern year, sorry, it's called first year of medical school. Intern year is your first year of training out of medical school. But in my first year of medical school, 
we would often have these lunch lectures and probably you've had these in various different types of degrees. So lunch lectures are basically like, if you want to stick around, stick around. So actually the menopause education that I got was actually kind of like voluntary. (laughs) Now, a lot of people stick around because we were poor med students and it was kind of a fun time for us to all like eat pizza and kind of whisper to each other, half listening to a lecture. I know that sounds so bad, but it's kind of true. And the lecture that I recall crystal clear in my mind was about hormone therapy and the women's health initiative. And literally the lecture that I got was, I wish I could go back in time and remember who was giving the lecture. All I know, it was a relatively young looking blonde female. I remember she said she had some kind of connection to SUNY upstate. So I don't know if that's where she went to medical school or I don't know. It's a little bit of a fever dream. I can't remember all the details, but what I do remember from presumably probably a 45 minute lecture was In the 80s and 90s, we gave estrogen to women shortly after menopause, but we didn't have a randomized controlled trial. So we did one. But luckily, when we did that, we actually found out something really important that hormone therapy is dangerous. And so now we know that. Now you know that. Science is a miracle. You know, that's what I remember. And when I ask, students and residents now, what kind of message they get about hormone therapy, it's some sort of degree of this. You think about playing telephone. So this message has been kind of being played telephone for a while. And then probably you have some people in there interjecting some of the newer data, but still kind of very cloudy and very confusing. And if I say one thing to my fellow all the time, one of the big issues with menopause in general is that Doctors, whether you're an MD, DO, nurse practitioner, PA, don't know enough about menopause and hormone therapy. And that's pretty much the main education that people get. Well, we thought hormones were good. We did the WHI. We realized they were bad. Good for us. Pat on the back. All right. That's not the end of the story. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably listened to many of my other episodes and you know that's not the end of the story. But that is still a deep rooted idea that estrogen is dangerous and harmful, despite a plethora of evidence to the contrary. Now, I lecture all across the country. I'm super excited that I get to do that. I have some skill of taking all my mentors and those ahead of me, amazing, wonderful hours of blood, sweat, and tears in their research, and being able to communicate it to whether it's clinicians or patients or med students or whatever it is, I get to teach on hormone therapy a lot. And menopause. The topic is always menopause and hormone therapy or menopause management. Whenever I do these talks, I probably spend a good two thirds of the topic discussing hormone therapy. Why? It's not because I think that's the only option. It's not because I think that that has to be the right option for you. It doesn't matter what I would do. It matters what you would do. But I spend the most time talking about it because this is where people have the biggest gap in knowledge and understanding, whether it's a clinician or it's laywomen. That's why I spend so much time on my platform talking about hormone therapy. So let's go back to little old me. I wasn't little, but I don't know. I was 26 or something, right? In medical school. 
eating my pizza, minding my own business and went off about my life. If you don't know a little bit about me, I always wanted to take care of women. And so I started my first year of internship in obstetrics and gynecology. I quickly realized that I was much better at talking. That's why I now have a podcast and a YouTube and I spend all my time talking. So I switched into internal medicine and I'm board certified in internal medicine. I did a two-year fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic in women's health where I learned firsthand that everything I had learned about menopause management and its principles, probably the three hours of information I had received up to that point, even though I loved women's health, even though I was a women's health study major, was wrong. It didn't match the studies. And like you'd think, or I would think, being sort of like self-absorbed, of all people, someone who always wanted to take care of women, did a year of OBGYN, um, was a women's studies major, I, 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 I would have maybe just had like a slight clue about this, but I didn't. When my mentor in my fellowship program, Dr. Holly Thacker, she is at the Cleveland Clinic. I talk about her a lot because she's taught me so much of what I know and what I share with you. When I worked with her and I really looked at the data, like in the episode I did with Dr. Blooming, and that's just on breast health. That's not on all of the, the, that's not on everything, right? But when I looked at the data over and over again, read it every single night, read it frontwards, backwards, and inside out, you really see there is a, an immense safety profile of hormone therapy, especially for women who start within 10 years of menopause and have no known contraindications. And so I just was shocked. I was shocked. You know, the message I got, of course, you heard the one I heard in medical school. And then in residency was, well, you know, if you try every single thing else and you try antidepressants and you try all this new turtle, like, you know, mm-hmm, and then they really need estrogen. Oh, quick, give them this teeny tiny dose for the shortest amount of time. That was also the message I got in residency. So when I had this aha moment, I couldn't believe my eyes. And then at the same time, I was experiencing this very unique position of being at one of the top institutions for menopause care. And there's certainly other ones across the country. But at the Cleveland Clinic, people flew in from all over the country and over all over the globe to get care for menopause. And they came in, they flew into the mistake on the lake and said, what are these symptoms? What is going on with me? What do my labs mean? can you give me hormone therapy? My doctor won't give me hormone therapy. I've been getting these pellets injected in my body. I'm losing all my hair, but I had to do that because I didn't feel good. What do I do? I'm going to quit work. I'm going to get divorced. My spouse is going to leave me. I don't feel good. What can I do? And I realized, wow, (laughs) that was the moment I realized that I really wanted to go into this aspect of medicine. In medical school and in residency, um, you know, you, you don't think about menopause as something that bleeds into other conditions, other chronic conditions. You certainly don't think of it bleeding into um, the fact that women don't sleep and then they binge eat and they get depressed because they're gaining weight and they lose their libido because they don't want to be naked. You don't think about how, how menopause affects them not feeling well not functioning at the peak of their game, having brain fog, not wanting to go to work, wanting to retire, wanting to quit. You don't think about how it affects them with worsening mental health in terms of worsening anxiety or depression, so crippling that they just don't want to leave their houses. But it does. But it does. 
Now, when you combine that with the other aha moment, which is how safe hormone therapy is for so many women, they don't, they don't think they are right. Just like I was taught hormone therapy is bad. And, uh, if you have to use it, use the lowest dose for the shortest time, the message that gets to other women, I don't even know because clearly at this point I've had a lot of education. And so, but I can imagine as a lot of women come to tell me, they still get the message of hormone therapy is dangerous. Hormone therapy is going to give me cancer. Hormone therapy is the last resort. Hormone therapy is not natural. Menopause is natural. Or my doctor says I can't use it. And I trust my doctor. I think, I think I trust my doctor. Those are a lot of universal things that I hear. So, so I spend a lot of time talking about the safety and efficacy of hormone therapy. Also, little plug, if you, if you are thinking about hormone therapy and you feel confused and stuck and frustrated with your doctor, but you've been listening to me for a while and you want to consider um, hormone therapy, you want to know more information than you can get in from the five minutes from your doctor. You want me to put everything together and get some support with me. Definitely consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. It is one of my favorite things. You get a lot of support. You get tons of information. You even get more information than you would get seeing me in the office. Although if you also want to see me in the office, you can do that as well, especially if you live in the Northeast. I'll include links to that below. But do I think that you have to use hormone therapy? I don't. The answer may surprise you. I don't. Now, <laughs> two plugs in a row. I'm also going to plug my subscription-only podcast, which you can get only on iTunes, on Apple. But I am going to do an episode over there of what I plan to do in menopause. And that should have no bearing on what you should do. But if you're interested, that's over there. But again, I want to circle back to, does that mean that I think that everyone needs hormone therapy? I, it really does not. I really do not think so. I have a book coming out, as you guys may know, called um, Unlocking Your Menopause Type. And it's going to be one of the, I think, just such a cool book. It's going to be so different than everything that's out there. But not everyone needs hormone therapy. Now, would most people benefit from hormone therapy? Yes, but that that's not necessarily the point. And by benefit, I mean, you know, it's, it is good, especially within 10 years of menopause, to protect your heart, to protect your brains and your bones and the pelvic floor. But are there other things that can do that? Yes, there absolutely can be. And those can range from all types of lifestyle to exercises to vitamins, supplements, herbals, and even non-hormonal medications. And again, I think the reason I spend a lot of time talking about hormone therapy is because, again, to reiterate the point, to really bring it home, that's where people have the most lack of education and understanding. And it's both clinician side, which then spills over into lay women. So I want to give you another case in point. I told you how I often do uh, talks and uh, I spend probably about two thirds of the talk on menopause management discussing hormone therapy. And that's because if I spent the majority of it talking about off-label use of antidepressants or SSRIs, most doctors actually already do that in practice. Most doctors already know that. So I wouldn't be really delivering them anything new and I really actually wouldn't be moving the needle whatsoever. And certainly even a lot of lay women really know lifestyle things that they can do. They can find them online and, you know, then there's this whole other world of, you know, over-the-counter products and supplements that are being marketed to women that aren't helpful. They're not necessarily harmful. 
hopefully, but they're probably not necessarily all that helpful. And I certainly could spend some more time there. But, you know, again, what is my mission is to really help shift the narrative from the clinician's lens, away from the message I learned in 2016 to the message that we now know in 2022. Despite a plethora of evidence, doctors are still not prescribing hormone therapy. And so there is a, a huge knowledge gap there because there was a great study in 2017 that showed that the more knowledgeable a doctor was about the large clinical trials in hormone therapy, the more likely they were to prescribe hormone therapy. Or let's just not even talk prescribe. Let's talk, just consult, just talking to their patients. This is another point of contention. So I gave a talk and uh, somebody raised their hand and said, you know, Dr. Hirsch, my patients don't want hormone therapy. Like they don't, they don't want it. So this is great and all, but they don't want hormone therapy. And again, my response is they don't know what they don't know. They don't know that it's actually really safe. If you, you know, started to have a conversation with them, there might be some barriers that they might bring up. Certainly, you know, if they know they just are, you know, overall just kind of doing well and a really sort of holistic approach type of person, they might not want to know. But actually, I think almost all women should know what their options are. Now, there's lots of barriers to this. Again, there's the knowledge component. There is the fact that these conversations are long. (laughs) That's why actually I started my podcast. I started my YouTube as a way for my women after they left the office with me to get more information. And that's another reason I really like my course, because even when you come to see me, I have 40 minutes with you. I spend 20 minutes learning about you. I have about five minutes to come up with a plan and 15 minutes to give you all the information that I spend hours talking about online. But they don't know what they don't know. And if they don't know that it's safe, if they don't know the safety profile, if they don't know that there are different kinds and routes, if you don't know how to explain the women's health study in a way that makes sense to them, of course, they're probably not going to want to know because they still have this deep-rooted idea that estrogen is dangerous and harmful, despite the fact that we make tons of estrogen up until the point of menopause. I think all women have the right to choose whatever fits them. Every woman has a unique medical history. So she may have a medical history that makes hormone therapy contraindicated. Now, To that point, I will say, just because you know I have to, that there are many things that people think hormone therapy is contraindicated for, which actually isn't. And I have a paper coming out soon on prescribing hormone therapy for women with cardiovascular risk factors. So many people think that they have either cardiovascular disease or they've had migraines or they have endometriosis or they had a provoked blood clot, one after a surgery or after a traumatic incident. And they think they can't take hormone therapy, but many of them can. Again, which circles back to me spending a lot of time talking about hormone therapy, whether it's in my clinic or on social media. But Many women can't because of a history of cancer, a history of a blood clot, a history of a lung clot, or they simply just don't want to do it. And that's okay. Some women don't experience a lot of symptoms. And so they certainly might question if hormone therapy is even right for them. That's a whole nother conversation because hormone therapy is no longer supported for primary prevention of specific disease outcomes like cardiovascular disease, namely. Do I agree with that? Uh, 
I'm going to just leave it as that, that it's complicated. But per, you know, FDA use, if you don't have symptoms, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't be taking hormone therapy per FDA use. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, you know, it, it just leads to a whole other host of conversations that it's really good to have with my patients. Well, even though you don't have hot flashes, your body is still changing. The underlying physiology of your body is still changing. There are many women for whom they start on non-hormonal medications. Let's say, for example, a very common one is paroxetine or citalopram or Effexor and are doing really great. And it's controlling their symptoms. Maybe it has some other positive effects, say on mood or on sleep and otherwise doing really well. In terms of, you know, lifestyle, there's some really great options that people do really well with. For example, the uh, sponsor of today's podcast, which is the Evia app, is a really great option. I've been playing around on it. And again, it's really going to help use basically cognitive behavioral um, feedback and techniques and some hypnotherapy to really help you manage your symptoms at home. And again, I'm saying this because I think these things can be very helpful. Even basic things, dressing in layers, um, making sure that you have um, cooling sheets or cooling clothes or cooling blankets or a fan near you. These are all really easy measures that for many, many people work. And also, you know, from my perspective, where I sit as an expert consultant for menopause, most of the patients coming to see me have ultimately tried a lot of these things. And they're looking for relief um, that's beyond these. Past the point of even thinking about if hormone therapy should be first line, which I do think it should be. But again, I really want to hit the, the point home that I do not think that hormone therapy is the only answer. And actually, you know, I don't think that many people do think that either. I think by many people, I mean like the experts or my mentors. I don't think that we think that either. I think that we think it should be a decision, but if you don't know it's a decision, if you don't know you have the option, if you don't know how safe hormone therapy could be, you're not actually making a decision. You're basically, uh, you know, we're basically omitting that decision-making capacity for you. And to tie that together, it's really my job and other folks in the, you know, arena that I work in to help clinicians be able to better discuss this with their patients because uh, I can only see so many people and there are so many people who don't live anywhere near me. Um, And I really have a passion for educating not just y'all who listen to the show and my YouTube or over on Instagram, but also those who see patients. The impact I can actually have or we can have collectively (laughs) in making clinicians see that this is such an important aspect they need to learn about is by continuing to talk about it. So I don't know if my answer surprised you, but the answer is, do you have to take hormone therapy? No. Do I think everyone needs to take hormone therapy? No. (laughs) And is something bad going to happen to me if I don't take hormone therapy? No. But I do want you to think that you are not small men and your body's going to be different when the estrogen is no longer made and the progesterone and testosterone are no longer made. And so you just want to be thoughtful about the rest of your body's health. 
If you are a subscriber to my subscriber only episodes, thank you. I'm going to be putting up an episode about my plans for menopause and, um, that should be really interesting. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever talked about this before. So except for a couple of patients, uh, who maybe have asked me point blank, but, uh, so it should be a really good episode. If you haven't already, I think it's like uh, $4 a month to subscribe to the show. You get fun. Um, really raw, really personal podcast episodes from me and also help support me so that I can do this podcast in my spare time. Thank you guys so much. If you love the show, please leave it a star. Please leave it a review. I've got some great um, episodes coming your way. I've got some great recorded episodes with some incredible guests with some awesome bombshells that you're going to want to make sure you don't miss. So please hit subscribe and thank you from the bottom of my heart as always for listening to the show. See you guys next Wednesday. If I haven't already done so, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Also, if you love the show, your stars or a quick review could really help other women who are searching for information on menopause and midlife around the globe find this show. If you want to work with me, consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. The link for that is in the description to this show. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all your support, and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Good.